Open your Bibles to the book of Jude, please, and then we'll look at verse 12. Jude, who was one of the early church leaders that time that helped in the Lord's ministry, understood about the rise of evil in the last days. The Christian church could apply it to their last days, and then the tribulation, they find much application with the book of Jude during their timeline. We look at the book of Jude, and it's only one chapter, so we look at verse 12. The Bible says, These are spots in your feast of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees, whose fruit withereth without. Fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots. One of the signs of the apostasy in the last days is given throughout all the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, the writer describes these people as spots, as fruits that are without, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. We are living in a day and age of society where the trees are cut off, plucked off by the roots, and they're not just dead, they're double dead. They're twice dead as the book of Jude perfectly describes it. In this rotten, wicked day and age that we live in, we all wonder, how did we end up in this kind of mess? Because America, in its foundations, yes, you can find some evil even in the foundations, and if you want to go to the Masonic route, fine, or Deist route, fine. However, there is no doubt when you look at the foundations of America, compared to practically any other country in history next to the nation of Israel, it had so much biblical, moral principle. There was so much foundation of the Bible when America began. So then how did we end up into a society that was so fruitful with the Great Awakening revivals, the epicenter of sending out missionaries to a place where it's one of the most evil countries you can ever describe? I mean, it was such a fruitful country. It produced great fruit for the Lord. But then it became one of the most evil. The reason why is because the foundations of America were people who planted fruit, who took sweat, tears, and sacrifice to produce fruit. And the society that we're living in today is not a society that understands sweat, or hard work, or going through pain and stress and producing good fruit. It is a society that eats off the fruit. What you must understand is the Christian church has been very fruitful for the Lord. And when you look at the past 2,000 years of the seven church eras in our church age, from the beginning of Ephesus to Laodicea today, you see moments of great fruitfulness. But then moments where it died out. You know why? Notice every church almost in Ephesus to Laodicea, it began because some people who had the fire for the Lord produced fruit. And when they started it out that way, it became a great movement. And followers sprouted out everywhere. But then the followers' passion, they died out. And they weren't producing fruit. 
No, the foundations produced the fruit. They're founding fathers. But the followers ate off the fruit. Oh, they were the ones soul winning, going to church. They taught the congregation. They even taught their next generations the word of God, what Christian moral principles were. But they were still eating off the fruit. They weren't producing fruit. You might be enjoying your blessed assurance, your shout, your singing, the word of God and fellowship and everything. But are you eating the fruit or are you producing fruit? Eating fruit's okay. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a good bite-sized apple and good fruit. I do, amen. Let's enjoy the fruits of the Lord. But you're going to eat it all up. And when you eat it all up, you got nothing. And when you got nothing, who's going to produce the fruit if not your dead foundation fathers? Because they're not working hard for you anymore to produce the fruit. You're used to be an eater, not a producer. That's why America, this current society fell apart. Why? They're eaters. They're gluttonous. God is their belly. They cannot work hard to produce the fruit. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ on the fruits that God has blessed this church and this ministry. For anyone who may be hearing this message, I'm going to be mostly talking about my church so please don't feel isolated on that one because I am a pastor of a local church. Amen. I am not an onliner. I am a pastor of a local church. I only had the burden to go online because I had a burden to reach you people out there so that you can see Bible-believing truth, get saved, get involved in a local Bible-believing church. And for those of you who don't have one, to start something yourselves or get connected to one in some way or form. So I'm going to be preaching to my church here. But if any of this can have any application to you or to your church, I hope that you can get a blessing from this, even though you're just from a distance watching us. But to my church people, hear me since this is to you. God has blessed us with incredible fruit and you've heard from the bulletin on how many souls have gotten saved, how many tracks have been passed out. And now we're not just worldwide, the ministry. Literally, our presence is reaching worldwide. You got your preacher here who's traveling around the world. We partnered with Campaigns for Christ. And Lord willing, it is my desire that we send laborers over there one day. And then we want to be worldwide. We want to spread Bible-believing truth. We want to see souls get saved. It is the burden of this preacher it is his burden to carry on to the next generation and not just here. And we're enjoying our blowouts. We're enjoying our summer camps. We're enjoying our weekend revivals. We had incredible speakers here, speakers whose names that are pretty much pig shot, but they've been humble enough to come over here and thank God that they preach for us. We've had incredible speakers, incredible preachers, even people that, people's names that other people have never heard about. We had those preachers. Phenomenal gift. You are fed. But are you producing fruit? Or are you still eating? This church's gas is going to run out soon one day. And there's going to be a price inflation that you'll have to pay. Unless you do something about it yourself. Our fruit tree is incredible. But is it rotting away? Is it being spent up? Okay, 
I know what tree we have right here. What's on your tree? Is it rotting away? Is it getting depleted? And that's why every Sunday you come in with a new trial, new tribulation, when it shouldn't be constantly that way. Maybe the reason why you have that trial and tribulation is because you ate all your fruit and you got nothing. But if you had a surplus of fruits in your storage, it may have kept you going. I hope today's preaching will be eye-opening and helpful because there's no doubt God has blessed this church, but I don't want us to be a rotting fruit. The title of my message today is Rotten Fruit is on Your Tree. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that our tree today will not have rotten fruit. It will not rot away, but that it's producing more as we're spending it. That'll produce even more than what we spend even. And that our spending would even be such plentiful uh, amounts that we can enjoy its blessings. I just want the production to overflow, but that can only come, Lord, if there are people, if I myself will do something about it to produce the fruit. Ultimately, it is you, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that can bear the fruit, Lord, that can produce the fruit. All we can do is just hold it. We can bear it. So I pray, Heavenly Father, that as I preach here about Christians producing fruit, it is in reality the Holy Spirit producing fruit so that we can be better bearers. And we need to learn to bear our cross even better to produce such fruit. Will you help me today in preaching? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, please. For the fruits to continue, you'll notice that whether saved or lost, they will have a successful business or family life or money and gains because they went through so much hardship themselves, but they've learned to manage those crises. They've learned to overcome when they transferred to a higher ed school or a harder workplace that produced better pay, it took a lot of sweat and work on their part and they had to learn to successfully manage it, get used to that lifestyle. Basically, they had better self-control than sadly, I don't mean this in a mean way, than sadly some people out here on the streets who have no job and shooting themselves with drugs. Why? Because some people have better self-control factors than others. And those, sadly, who are out on the streets and shooting themselves up with drugs, they have no self-control. And they want to just please their flesh constantly, constantly, constantly. But those who are disciplined, who hold back their urges and used to getting beaten up but picking themselves back up, they become very successful. Now, we live in a whiny generation of Christians nowadays, when they get beat up, they always cry out, I'm being persecuted for Jesus' sake. Oh, the devil attacked me on this one. Oh, I'm going through a trial and tribulation. And they're not used to, hey, this is just life. Other people are going through worse than I do. I need to learn to take a hit and then learn how to better manage them, learn how to improve on my weaknesses, my mistakes, what can I learn better off of this? And those kind of people are more self-controlled and those are the same people who are not just coming to church 
but rather coming early, coming in to set something up, coming in to make sure that they see anybody to talk to, make sure to keep an eye out on any problems in the church where they can be able to better address and aid those matters. Those are the people that they become. But we live in a current trend of society. I just do what I have to do and that's it. And then let me eat off the fruit. Why? Because you want to keep pleasing, consuming your desires, your urges. You're used to doing that. Eating the fruit, eating the fruit. But if you have a, self uh, if you have a lot of discipline, self-control, you start to save that apple. And then you produce more apple and then more apple and you save all that good stuff and then you can eat, enjoy a good huge chunk out of it. And those are the people who learn how to better manage their apple supply rather than hoarding it all up and eating it at once. Now, I hope that's not deep. I hope you understood what I'm talking about right here. But this will change your life completely. And I noticed it and I would like for this church to experience it as we go throughout uh, as we visit the other churches, Lord willing. But if you did visit BBCI, for example, uh, which is my father's church, you notice something that's very different from them and us, is that they're very disciplined. Very disciplined. Maybe it might be too extreme for us because we're in American culture and they're Korean. But what they do is that they make sure that everything is, hey, get here, don't be late. You might remember that at summer camp, right? <laughs> now, you won't, me, you won't see me doing that, but the culture is different. But the point is, is that these people are so used to discipline. They're used to having their teenagers, their young adults, college adults, teaching the children and helping them. The adults in the family and the homes, making sure that their children are reading their Bible every day and they put a signature on it and give it to the church leaders so that the... Uh, the kids are all reading their scriptures and memorizing verses. Street preaching, nobody is late, except sometimes maybe the pastor. You know what that is? Disciplined church people. Amen. Disciplined church people. Oh, what a church where people are better than the pastor in the disciplined part. Now, I'm not saying that's uh, my father. We always come in early, you know, but there are those times where... Emergency situations do happen where we do come late and being grown up in that home, sometimes bad things happen. He has an emergency phone call. Some crisis happens. But thank God that there are people who are not dependent on a pastor to get there early to street preach without him and that they need him. No, we need you here. We need you here. No, no, no. They can continue on. Amen. That's one thing that makes uh, what makes me so proud of this church is even when I'm helping somebody out there who's in pain, when my local church is my priority number one, that my local church would be strong and bandage each other's wounds and keep each other going and preach and teach and minister to people, follow up with people who haven't been to church for a while and then fellowship with those who haven't been fellowshiped as much and provide pickup and then cook the food and everything. That brings so much joy to me. You know why? Because that's fruit's going to continue with that discipline where they're not dependent, dependent, dependent on someone else to produce the fruit for them. But they themselves produce the fruit and give it to others. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 reads, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. 
Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are what? Exercised thereby. When trial and tribulation happen, hardships happen, no one can meet the needs of the church somewhere right there, that's your opportunity to learn discipline. Don't lose your valuable one-time class lesson that day. When that church is in need, don't cry out and be dependent on the pastor, but rather take this as an opportunity. I can help out the pastor and help out the church and minister and aid them. Take that as an opportunity and take in that chastisement. And rather than whining with the mentality, Elijah mentality, oh, no one cares about me and I'm being persecuted. No, take that as an opportunity that I'm going to produce fruit. This is great. I'm learning. And a person who's so used to that kind of a system and a life learns that when pain happens, it just brushes off them. And they keep producing fruit. Rather than every pain that happens, they fall back 10 steps backwards. You might say, why is these hardships happening to this church? Because that's what produced fruit out of this church, undoubtedly. Amen. Why was pastor gone for about uh, almost a month? Because that's what produced fruit. That's why I was able to finally travel. Amen. I would have been locked up here for probably 20 to 30 more years because I don't believe in leaving my church. Never. You people mean so much to me. You're my family. And even though, I mean, some of the people who take care of emails, it's so sad. I get these reports where I want to help them because they don't have a Bible-believing pastor to meet them. And I want to help them, but I can. I'm only one man. Because I have to spend so much time with you. You're my people. So I don't believe in leaving this church. But it's because of that chastisement the Lord gave me. You proved yourselves and produced fruit. And because you did that, I'm able to let you go. And I'm able to help out finally those people who say, I need help. Finally. You wonder how much fruit we produced? Because we went through chastisement together and we've learned to manage it together. Rather than depending it all on the pastor and getting upset when he doesn't shake your hand or when he doesn't talk to you or when things don't go right in church. You want fruit? Don't spend it. This fruit is so productive right now. It's fresh. You, you've enjoyed it during singing, right? Yeah. You've enjoyed it during fellowship and the teaching and preaching, right? Yeah. Don't spend all your apples. Use them well. Get disciplined. Get used to it. And learn how to control them so that this can a church will stay consistent in the fruit if they are consistent in their discipline. But no discipline means no self-control. And when there's no one to control self, that self will greedily spend all the fruit. BBCI, my father's church didn't become like that in one day. It took discipline. And that's why they're very successful right now. Let's be that kind of a church too. Let's be so successful that this can continue on for ages to come if the rapture were to be delayed. Let it continue on. Let the church roll on. March on because there are people who are 
discipline, who are used to being persecuted, who are used to restrictions, who are used to the liberal censorship, who are used to being careful and wise as serpent, harmless as dove, in a society that wants to kill you. Let's be that kind of a church. Matthew chapter 13, verse 26, please. Matthew 13, verse 26. That was just the first point, and it's almost one. <laughs> There's so much to learn here. I will, I must hurry right here. But I don't want to, uh, I don't want to uh, waste your time. Your time is precious, so let me do this quickly. But at the same time, I don't want you to uh, lose this important lesson. Because this is so important if you want this church to continue. If you want to keep enjoying the fruit. If you want to keep enjoying the fruit. If you want to stay this way, then we need to keep it this way. Let's keep the fruits not rotted away. Okay? It's rotting. And if there's some rotting areas, we need to fix that. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 26. Sometimes we would ask ourselves then, why is it that successful churches, when we look at the past 2,000 years, have apostatized and grown cold when they had so much fruit? Here's your answer. All right? And this will happen to this church. Guarantee it will happen. Matthew 13, 26. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit. Period. Did I read that right? Then appeared the what? Tears also. That's why they didn't learn to take care of their tears. Now when fruit comes out and you see singing and shouting. Remember this. There's going to be a tear there. At the same time, what in singing and shouting? You got to be kidding. Yeah, in the middle of praise, it can come out. A tear will sneak in and affect other people where the singing and worship can actually cause maybe even a detrimental effect. And that's why the Pentecostals became what they are. You know how they became so crazy and messed up? Because they thought that singing and shouting, that this was good. But they weren't careful with those tears and they took it to the extreme that they mingled up with speaking of tongues and then rock music and then uh, rolling on the ground and then barking like a dog and meowing like cats. That's what happened. You know what's going to happen? Tears are going to come out. What are those tears? In Mark chapter 4 and verse 7 and verse 19, it's interesting that in the parable of the sower, the Bible says, and some fell among thorns... And the thorns grew up, see, matching the tares, right? And choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Verse 19 says, and the cares of this world. How much cares of this world you got? How much you got? Uh, yeah, thank you. An honest brother, all right? I guess the rest of you are all more spiritual than him, all right? Cares of this world. Let's be honest, we got too much. Especially if you're in the Bay Area. God forbid, man. Maybe we should all go Amish, man. <laughs> and the cares of this world, keep reading, uh, I'll keep reading it, and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. That parable talked about that fruit was coming out. Fruit was coming out. The people who never came to this church finally came in. The souls that didn't get saved finally got saved. The truth that was not spreading out finally spread out. Praise the Lord. But then it's that care of the world that you keep clinging on to that hindered 
your soul winning efforts, your church attendance, your Bible reading, your prayer, and then loving each other and fellowshipping and everything. It's your care of this world. Oh, I don't have it right now. Oh, not now, but wait till you get a different job. Wait till living expenses get higher and gas gets higher. And then you got kids to feed. And then a surprise kid on the way that you didn't expect. And let's see if you don't have the cares of this world increasing for you. And then you go to school, you graduate, you transfer to a better school, and then they give you these opportunities. Oh, don't tell me you have no cares of this world. It will slip in even if you don't want to. Those watching, you see that? Even if you don't want to, it will slip in. The cares of this world. It's an inevitable truth that comes in. And when it slips in and comes in, that's why the Christian church must be cautious and careful and say, I refuse that this university opportunity, that this job opportunity, that this whatever care of this world will interfere with my rate of attendance in the church and ministering to others and the fruit that Bible Baptist Church has worked so hard for the past years. We must have that determination. Or the fruit will rot away because of that tear choking up the fruit. Let's be honest. Your church attendance felt like choking up today. It was choking to come to church. You know why? It's that care of the world. Simple. Be fired. Be without a job. You won't, you won't feel choked to church now. Freedom of time. Now, I'm not telling everyone to do that, obviously, but you know my point, okay? My point is that it chokes up your spiritual walk in Jesus Christ when there's cares of this world involved. Inevitable. So we cannot allow that. We have to be more careful than ever before, more balanced than ever before. Set our priorities straight more than ever before where our spiritual walk is not interfered by the cares of this world. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Oh, we're producing fruit. Praise the Lord. But it's rotting away because of the cares of Silicon Valley and the Bay Area choking it up more and more making it more busy for you, more hard for you to serve God. Look at John chapter 4 and verse 36. The Bible says, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here in his essay, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you, this is good, I sent you to reap that whereon ye what? Be sowed labor up and labored and you're entered into your labors that's the kind of society we're living in right now right let's be honest so you when you entered the, to this church you entered into a ministry where you bestow no labor the fruits are already there and then you can just ripe for the picking and eat it up and so you're enjoying you're reaping the fruits well, can I encourage you with this then? Why not keep reaping it then? That's right. Look, I don't believe in spending it all up, but you know what the devil's doing now? The devil is not only getting people to spend their fruit foolishly, but he's also getting people to be dissatisfied with the fruit they're spending. Come on. 
And he's making them see, see, there's a problem in that church. There's a problem with that fruit. Oh, it could be better. And you hardly even spend that fruit. But isn't it a time you should be spending and enjoying it? You bestow no labor, no work, no sacrifice for it. What an opportunity to reap the fruit. You know what the greatest example is? Salvation. You reaped. You worked. No. You bestowed no labor, not of works, lest any man should boast. You just reap the fruit. So why not enjoy your salvation? Rather than whining about oh, it's so hard to be a saved Christian, shame on you. You should be enjoying it. Spend it up to the fullest. I intend to use my saved Christian life to the fullest. Why would I throw it away for the lost, wicked world and waste my time in it? I'm going to reap up the, and get all the blessings. My Savior bled and died for me for that one. I'm going to revel and use up every blessing Jesus gave to me Amen. on salvation. What about this church? When there's a fellowship opportunity, why reject it? Why reject it? That's not a, something that just comes out of thin air. It took sacrifice to get there. When there's a soul winning opportunity, why reject it? It took sacrifice to do that. Why reject helping out the internet ministry or the, uh, enjoying the videos and then helping out those people? It didn't come without sacrifice. A long time had to build up to get the algorithm that we got. Why not enjoy coming to church? This wasn't easy getting a building like this. It took much sacrifice to bring the people that we have now in this church. Why reject that? Why reject that? Why? Because the devil is blinding your eyes to not spend every moment. If I were you, I'd spend every bite out of that apple and not waste a single drop. Oh, excuse me, you're already used to spending your food, the apple you eat, and then whatever you don't like, then you just throw it away. Typical American consumer, you. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ when there was already so much sacrifice for the Word of God already in our hands for us to read and then the Bible-believing truth that it, took thousand, that it took thousands of years that they had to give that kind of knowledge to us. Why not glean every moment in that? I mean, why waste an opportunity to write notes in Bible study, huh? In discipleship classes, huh? You know how many other people had to make countless sacrifices of mistakes and had to wait to give you that kind of knowledge. Glean it. Glean every moment. Be selfish. If you have an apple on your plate that God has given you and he's given you permission to eat because you don't get a chance like that every day, then if I were you, I'd double it all up. All right, once a year opportunity for you to eat. Ready? Bible believers blow out. The dates are August 10 through 13. It's not 24 hours. Uh, we could add more hours, but we cannot do that. So enjoy every moment in that plate. <laughs> you better eat it all up. For a limited time only. Clean it all up. Eat it. Eat it. Eat it. James chapter 3, please. James chapter 3. Your fruit is rotting. You know why? Because you're not spending it. You're just letting it hang and rot itself out. You're not rotting the fruit yourself, spending the fruit yourself. You're letting it rot itself away. 
Man, that's the reason why, if we're not careful, God has blessed so much incredible fruit. It is beyond my imagination and dream what God has blessed. And you got to realize I'm still very young. Nobody. You got, do you understand what you're hearing right now? Nobody gets something like this. How dare Gene Kim throws this all away? How dare? How can I do that? Man, this is very precious what we have here. I know I'm not old as Dr. Uckman or Peacock. I know I'm still young. But that shouldn't make you turn off the fruit. This should make you eat it up more. That's good, brother. Because I've still got years to live. And can you imagine how much more growth God will give to me in my own pastoring? I'm still young. Eat the fruit what you got. Eat the fruit what you got. I know God could have used many other people. And I'm not just saying that to be humble, okay? I really mean that. God could have used so much other people. I'm so glad God used me. I'm not worthy. I'm not. I'm not. So I'm going to eat up as much as I can. I'm going to spend every dime. Look at James chapter 3, verse 18. The Bible reads here, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in what? Peace of them that what? Make peace. Not just getting the peace, it's make peace. Now, if you have the fruit that God has given to you, then if you are in your right mind, you want to stay there and eat it up. You're not going to throw it away. You're not going to look for trouble. You're not going to look for pain. And you're not going to look for something that can deplete your fruit, right? If we're honest, selfish Americans, yes, okay? Now, here's the thing. I know that we should be selfish and hoard all the fruit and eat it up, but what I'm talking about right here is that when God has finally given you permission, a right to eat it, it's like what I told you before, you should eat it, but for some weird reason, like I mentioned before, people are letting it rot, they're finding faults with it, but then another group of people is, they're not eating the fruit, because they're looking for famine out there. You know what my problem is? I mean, uh, excuse me. You know what our problem is? So, Self-protection. Oh, I'm guilty. Okay. <laughs> so you know what our problem is? Our problem in this life, listen up now, is that we think that we have to be spiritual soldiers of Jesus Christ And then it is our job to make sure to keep producing fruit. But when God has already given you too much fruit to enjoy and he wants you to enjoy it, you always don't use it and you just keep going out to the famine out there. And you're that fool who raises a hand during prayer meeting. Oh, I have a prayer request. I'm going through trial and tribulation. Maybe you didn't really have to. Maybe you're the one asking for it. Maybe, listen up, listen Maybe you want it. Maybe you don't want to enjoy the fruit. You know what? Let me tell you something. You're not spiritual. You're not right with God if you do that. I don't care if you're thinking that I'm sacrificing, I'm helping out people, I'm doing this for the glory of the Lord. No, God's job and God's purpose is for you to be happy with your life. Yes, there is sacrifice and pain, but let him do it in his timing, not you. 
And why do we have to make up our own storms, huh? And go through sleepless nights and needless worries about things that don't even happen when you realize it later on. And you create your own war. That's why you can't enjoy peace. You can't enjoy your fruit. The fruit you got was amazing. It's amazing right now what you and I have right now. But then uh, you, you always, you always won't find peace with it. You create a war. That's sad. Why do you have to create a war? Create a war in your life with family. Create a war in your life with home. Create a war within the church with each other. Why do you create a war in your mind? And then it's a prayer request that you thought is a war. It's not even a war. It's not even happening. Absolutely right. You want to enjoy the fruits? You know how to keep that, those fruits on that tree and nice and pretty and eat it up and enjoy it well? By not foolishly wasting it. By not foolishly wasting it. You need to enjoy it. Stop looking for war. Can I tell you something? You've been through enough, right? You've been through enough, don't you? Enough suffering and pain and enough prayer request on that one, enough enduring. When God didn't even intend it, let it go. Just let it go and then just finally learn to smile and laugh and enjoy the blessing and what you have in your home, what you have with your family, what you have in this church, the good things of it. Why not finally enjoy peace? Finally enjoy peace in your life. Titus 3, please. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Is your fruit rotting away? Are you spending your fruits foolishly? Are you not taking advantage of enjoying and producing? That's the balance. You need to enjoy and produce. Enjoy and produce. Enjoy and produce. Not waste the fruit. Not let the fruit rot away. Not spend it all up foolishly. You need to enjoy eating the fruit while producing fruit the same time. You need to maintain that status, that cycle, that progress so that there's no fruit that's rotting on your tree. Look at Titus chapter 3 and... Verse 14, and let ours also learn to what? Maintain. We need to maintain good works. Now, this good works connected to fruits. That's the idea. So you got to maintain your fruits. But uh, let me show how the works relates to fruit. Maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. See that? The idea is, the author writes, we need to maintain our fruitful status by making sure these works keep going if, if they are used for necessary uses. Now, you know what the problem with Christians today and even Bible believers foolishly? The problem with Bible believers today is they're enjoying so much fruit that they have, but then there's so much need out there that they refuse to apply those fruits that they've got to those needful areas. That's good. 
And then you got these mega IFB churches who just want to keep in all their graduates in their church. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble. I don't care. They want to keep them there because they see so much talent. Pastors' kids who went to their school but now live in that IFB church. When that's not their local church, it's their, pa it's their parents over there they should be helping. But that they come to that big IFB church and then now that IFB church is growing bigger and fatter and fatter and fatter and there's just way too much fruit that you're so selfish that it's not a wonder that liberals nowadays are screaming out equality and socialism because you refuse to even share. And people are dying and burning in hell because of you. Yeah, you, you got the money. You got the labors. You got the power. You got the air-conditioned fancy building and whatnot and the resources. What are you doing about it? And if you're not, John MacArthur will claim the title of Christian defending the faith for last days. Because he's the only one and everybody else is like... <laughs> there are needful areas to produce fruit. That's why I go out, you see? I go out because there are needful areas there. I have too much. We have too much. We can't just keep it here. And, I, and the politics can go to Sheol where they belong if they think that Gene Kim's trying to attract attention and do all that. No, you're just lazy that you don't want to spread it out to other people and then you're probably jealous with what I got to try to share to other people out there. Yep. Exactly. Now, I'm not trying to make people get upset at me. If you have a conviction against the internet thing, God bless you. I don't want you to violate that, all right? But I don't want you to judge me for thinking that I'm some kind of arrogant so-and-so where, you know, you're not right with God, Gene Kim, unless you're like my ministry. Well, you should pastor a church over here, buddy. Yeah. Pastor a church, come over here, huh? Come here, I dare you, man. Or are you sipping your coffee in the middle of the woods, growing your beard longer <laughs> with no church? Or are you the pastor that he called on me to preach? Oh, <laughs> called me. My name was mentioned by Bible-believing famous pastor so-and-so. So my ministry is right with God. And you're not like me. So Gene Kim, you're not right with God. I refuse to be like you. I, re I want to follow Jesus Christ, what he called me to do. There are necessary uses out there, friends. How can you have a clean mind just coming here to church yourself? Hoarding up the fellowship and then the knowledge and the preaching and, you know, for your own home, your own life. There's plenty of people out there who need to come how can you sit in your blessed assurance in your home with those neighbors around you, with the people in your place, and you don't give them the fruit? We're enjoying our generation right now, but there's a next generation. Someone needs to teach them. Someone needs to show them like you've been shown why you should have a fire, a passion for Jesus Christ. Don't just teach the kids and follow all the do's and don'ts. No, 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 more than that. There's a needful area. You have fruit. You got fruit. Something is the one that gave you a lot of fruit, right? You know what it is. You need to give it to that next generation. Let them enjoy the fruit too.
They need to understand. They need to know why this fruit is so good. And if you just keep following a pattern of do's and don'ts like a machine, the next generation won't, won't understand why the fruit is so good, and that's why they're going to seek fruit from else in the world. There's a needful area. I'm glad that you are a member of Bible Baptist Church and you want to be that servant that will minister to the pastor, wash his feet. God bless you. If that's what God called you to do, I am not downing that. But there are countries dying and burning in hell. And while children in Africa are starving to death and dying, here you are singing and shouting. You have a clean conscience about that? I gave enough money to the missionaries. Let them, let them do all the work. I think I'm hitting hard, right? Why did I come here if I was like you, huh? About, let me enjoy the blessing. Shouting. If I did that, I would have stayed at PBI for all my life. I really wanted to. But I saw need here. And no one is going to give the Bible-believing truth. And there's just too much heresy on that stupid, stinking, dark internet out there. No man should live his, his or her life. No person should live his or her life by that internet. But there's just so much junk out there. Someone, 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 someone out there, help me, minister to me. That's why I took up the mantle and the burden. And if you want to criticize me for that, have at it, I wonder when was the last time you saw a need and a burden out there and you want to minister to that rather than enjoying your fruits, eating off that fruit and judging another person, huh? You're not fruitful like me. Why are you, ministered, why are you giving fruit in that needful area there? You're not right with God. Shame on you. Bible believers can be the most judgmental people who ever lived in all of history. Amen. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Look, there's plenty of needs. That volunteer section in the bulletin is not just there because it's just there. Do you understand? We need specials here. We need more people to play the instruments. We need people to bring food, all right? If you don't believe that, you will soon if you, uh, people are like you, don't bring food, all right? You will join up that volunteer sheet fast, okay? We have kids. There are babies in the nursery. We need preachers and teachers. We need soul winners. I want it seven days a week. That's my ultimate goal. We need a prayer room. Like those Moravians who are so busy with soul winning and missions, but they have their own prayer room. That's right. We need something like that. We need prayer warriors, soul winners, people who minister the needs. Do you even see the need? Probably not, because all you see is fruit. That's why. All you see is fruit around you. You're not seeing the needs out there. Drug addicts, juvenile centers. So much need. So much need. We got so much work. Yes, we have so much fruit, but... There's much more work than the fruit, sadly, to do. John chapter 12, verse 24. John chapter 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. 
But if it die, it bringeth forth what? Much fruit. You want much fruit? Something must die. That's your problem. You don't want to die. You're too important to yourself. You think that all the world revolves around you. You think all of happiness revolves around meeting your need. You, 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 what makes you happy, what makes you happy. That's why you're unhappy. All you see is Y-O-U, you. That's your problem. You want to be happy? You want to produce fruit? You got to get out. You must die. It's got to be others. Others have to be there. More important than others, God has to be in there. And when they're the epicenter of attention right there, joy increases. Fruit naturally comes out. But when you're too important to yourself, oh, I want the intention. I want the, I want the pulpit. I want to be called on to preach. I want all the subscribers. I want the people to call on me. And then I want to be the, the humble servant that pastor calls upon in the church, nobody else. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be the right-hand man. What, like John and James? I want to be at your right hand, Jesus. The right and left hand. And Jesus read it and said, no, you're not going to get it. You're an Elisha, okay? Don't pretend that. You make me sick. You need to realize that yourself has to be out of the picture and truly it's just others, others and God, Others and God, others and God, and that's then fruit naturally comes out. Complete unselfishness has to produce mighty fruit in the work of the Lord. With people criticizing you, scoffing you, trying to persecute you, trying to destroy your work, when you're just trying to win them to Christ, that has to produce fruit no matter what. It will. You must die. There's something important in your life, whatever that is, that's being the greatest hindrance that Bible Baptist Church cannot produce the fruit needed. I strongly believe that even though God has blessed us with much fruit, we, uh, we aren't producing fruit like we should. And I say that about myself too, okay? Why? Because if I'm honest, I'm too important to me. And we have to realize, if we're honest with ourselves, that, hey, you know, I can try to pretend that I'm not important, but uh, you know what? Let's be honest. I feel like I'm important to me. And if you were to be humble and realize that, then what happens is, is an introspection to yourself. Why are you important then? Why are you more important to yourself than others, than to God? You find those, and then you write that on a list, and then after that, you bring it on the altar, then you confess it to God, then you repent, and then you leave it right there, and then you live a life of complete unselfishness. Why? Because you died that day when you went on the altar. And you got resurrected, and you went back into the world a living you. You need to die. Some of you need to Crucify yourself here today. And you need to tell yourself, I need to die. Don't just say, I need to die. You need to find out what you need to die. Right. You need to find out why you're important to you. Find out what they are and kill it like Abraham as a sacrifice of his only begotten son. Here's the thing is that 
You might say, well, it's just so hard to do that. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. <laughs> you want me to tell you the ironic thing? Come on. Okay. Come on. Then why is it that Christians nowadays are so sick and tired of this wicked, evil world that they want to die and go to heaven? Are you like that? Why do lost people commit suicide? Why do you feel like you could just end it all if you don't want to die? Go to Philippians 1. Let me open your eyes on this. Philippians 1. Do you remember Pastor Noel's sermon about this? If you kind of remember, this might help you. Go to Philippians 1. 21. I know why want to die and go to heaven because all you see is the trial tribulation suffering the misery the pain of this world the wickedness of people around you and the weakness of your flesh and you're just miserable you're just depressed hey man the god's christian life is not about misery and pain it's about misery and pain that produces great fruit to enjoy that's your problem you only have the first half you don't have the second half yeah, misery, pain, depression, all that conflict for being a Christian, but you have not produced fruit. You have no fruit. You have no fruit to enjoy. Do you understand that? If you have no fruit to enjoy, obviously anybody would shoot his or her brains out, Bible-believing, Christian, dispensational, King James only, or not. You would. Philippians 1, 21. For, me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, see, if he's not going to die and go to heaven. Oh, but this world's so wicked. Anybody would want to go to heaven. But if I live in the flesh, this is the what? Fruit of my labor. That's why he's continuing on. His fruit. If you have no fruit to enjoy... If you're that person right now who wants to die and go to heaven because this world's so wicked, your flesh is so weak, and you're just a wicked sinner, and you're just depressed, miserable, so much pain, you have no fruit to enjoy. That's why. You need to find your fruit that's hanging on your tree, and you need to take a real big healthy bite and then just enjoy and chomp it down. And then after that, Find the next apple, pick it out, enjoy a nice big chomp, and enjoy every bite. Then the next one, and the next one, and it's called Count Your Many Blessings. Name them one by one. You're not slowly taking time one by one to doing that, are you? Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. I'd like to close it here. I'd like to close it here. Looks like I made the time, so that's good. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8. I would like to ask you a serious question, all right? There's a lot of fruit in your life. I'm very proud with the people in this church on what you went through and then how you came over here. No matter who you are, okay, I mean this, no matter who you are, it takes a lot to be a part of this church. You know that? 
That speaks volumes. No matter what spiritual level you are, uh, you've contributed something to make us into this fruitful church. It's amazing. And we get overjoyed when we see our own brothers and sisters, right? Growing. It just makes us so excited. There's no competition here. It's more of a joy when we thought we were the one that were the most spiritual, but the one who was behind us now is the one more spiritual than us. I hope so. That's how we can enjoy the church. Man, it's so awesome. But, you know, I'm wondering if this is really our fruit. Is this really our fruit with the eight preachers that we had preaching on this pulpit who lived a life of sin, drugs, and uh, the wrong cults and religions, and they lived a life into the world, they were successful, or they didn't have rocks for brains, or they're smart, it didn't matter, but then they became lay preachers on this pulpit preaching the word of God. Is that the real fruit of Bible Baptist Church? Is it the real fruit of Bible Baptist Church that we were able to have a worldwide effect and reach people around the world, which is unheard of, online and in the presence of the preacher and Lord willing in the future, the presence of this church that will actually step foot into their world? Is that the real fruit? I wonder if, we, if God gave us the real fruit how much richer that fruit will be in this church. Is this really what we got? Could it be better? Could it be better? Could it be something more mighty? We serve an unlimited God. He can do greater things. But I wonder if this is really our fruit. Why? Because we had a 90% improvement, which is good. It's called an A grade but it's not 100%. It's a 90% improving your Christian walk, 90% cleaning up your life, cleaning up and crucifying that flesh, but you know what that 1% is? That's holding back. You know what that is? You only repented 90%. There is that 1%. Yeah, you come on this altar all the time, but you know what's holding you back, and there is no real repentance. Real repentance produces real fruit. Real fruit is not real if there's no real repentance. But a half repentance will give you only half the fruits. Is this half the fruits of Bible Baptist Church? Or, God forbid, this is many fruits but a corrupt tree can also produce corrupt fruit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. Bring forth therefore fruits, but not just fruits, that are what? Meat for repentance. Now, if you want real fruit and you want to see the real Holy Spirit moving, the real power divine moving, and real fruit and real amount of soul saved, real Bible believers coming out and keeping it real, then we need real repentance on this altar. And whatever your 1% is out there, you need to 
say, surrender it on the altar, get right with God, and don't just say, I'm sorry, and then walk off. Get a real repentance, put it on the altar, really kill it. You need to die today, and let's see what God can do with this church after that. Let's see what God can do with your life after that. Every single Christian that I know who had real repentance, gotten the victory over their fleshly issue, will testify 100% how happy they are in their life and how successful their fruit is. You're not. You're not. You can only brag about the half-baked fruits that you got because you have no real repentance. Get right with God today. Every head bowed, every eye shut.